Welcome to BFR Radio, a podcast dedicated to all things BFR. This podcast is proudly sponsored by sportsrehab.com.au, where if you want to buy your own BFR cuffs or you want more information about the type of training or you just want more information, this is your one place to go. And I'm your host, Chris Gavilio. Happy New Year to everyone. I hope you had a good 2019 and all the best for 2020. This is my first podcast for the year. Hope it finds you well and I hope it has lots of exciting goals for you this year. Now, last year was quite a big year for myself and obviously blood flow restriction. It's really gaining a lot of momentum in the market and in terms of the amount of products and the amount of people out there doing it and seeing some really good positive results is great. With that, obviously saw more podcasts. I did a conference at the Australian Strength and Conditioning Conference, had a good response there, and also started to run some workshops. Really would like to work some more around Australia this year. Uh, If you're interested in uh, any capital city, I run workshops and just get a hold of me and we'll look at how we could put something together for the people in your area. Also on a side note, I designed my first bit of strength equipment was a G thruster, which was kind of like a mini Smith machine for hip thrusting activity. And the people that have used it have really enjoyed it. And and so it's just so much easier. They're actually for sale. So contact me through this social. Also, there's another platform. It's just at G Thruster on Instagram and Twitter. But just a simple email to me and we can talk about how we could possibly get a unit into your facility. On to today's article and we're going to talk tendons and more specifically Achilles tendons. But more from a general point of view, there hasn't been a lot of research around the positive effects of BFR and tendon or help rehab in tendinopathies. And perhaps traditionally, when we look at tendinopathies, we need high loads to get the kind of stresses and the responses that we need on the tendon. Therefore, we think, well, BFR and low loading may not have the amount of stress that it needs to get the positive adaptations that tendinopathies require for proper rehab. This one's a recent article. It's in 2019 from the Journal of Applied Physiology, and it's called Low Load Blood Flow Restriction Training Induces Similar Morphological and mechanical Achilles tendon adaptations compared with high load resistance training. And this comes out of Germany. Now, with respect to BFR and tendons, this is perhaps the one thing that hasn't been really commented a lot on. Now, there's actually been a few papers out there commenting on how BFR can decrease joint and tendon pain. So there's some positive effects there in terms of pain relief. And then obviously with the pain relief, you can then actually start training and then get more functional. And then typically over time, you have a healing process. So with the athletes that I've worked with, I've actually seen a positive response, but there's been nothing in literature that's really backed this up. And I thought that perhaps BFR may sit alongside as a positive tool to all the eccentric and isometric type work that typically someone would do if they had a tendinopathy. So we're going to get into the paper here, and I'm just going to just pick out a few bits out of the introduction before we get into the meat of the actual paper. With respect to some important information in the introduction that might be relevant. Uh, Although muscles are responsible for the generation of force, the transmission of these forces to the skeletal system is accomplished by tendinous structures that connect the muscles with the bony structures. The interaction of this muscle tendon unit complex with the skeletal system is therefore crucial for human locomotion and all other type of movements. Nice simple statement. It's well known that both tendon and muscle tissue demonstrate a remarkable degree of plasticity with training. 
for promoting increases in muscle mass and strength, it's generally been recommended to apply training loads of 70 to 85% of one person's one repetition maximum, hence the high load or the high mechanical stresses required for these changes. A few authors have, have actually been able to demonstrate the mechanical stress and strain, which is about 4%, induced by resistance training, can enhance morphological and functional properties of tendons. Evidence from a recent meta-analysis indicates that also in this context of high training loads of greater than 70% of 1RM, these are superior in promoting optimal adaptative responses in mechanical, that's stiffness, and material tendon properties compared with low load training. And when they talk about this material tendon property, they refer to Young's modulus. With regard to the magnitude of these adaptations, significant increases of around 20 to 40% in tendon stiffness, as well as changes in tendon's hypertrophy of around 3 to 10%, have also been observed with high load lifting. As I'm sure we're all aware, BFR has been well known with low load resistance training, that 20 to 40% of 1RM. It's been shown in a lot of papers, it helps substantial muscle growth and strength gains. However, there hasn't been a lot of work or a lot of evidence out there around adaptations in tendons. Therefore, it's largely unknown to what extent training with BFR facilitates changes in human tendon properties. Accordingly, the main purpose of this study was to investigate the effects of low load BFR training, that's 20 to 35% of 1RM, of in vivo tendon properties and compare these effects with conventional high load resistance training using loads of 70 to 85%. In the study, they hypothesized that the strength and the strain being around one third of conventional high load resistance exercise during this low load BFR training intervention would not be sufficient to elicit adaptations in mechanical, morphological, as well as material properties of the Achilles tendon. Getting right into the study, when we look at the subjects, they recruited a total of 55 healthy men, although only 38 completed it, and they ranged between the ages of 18 and 40 years. All the subjects were actually untrained, and they had a maximum of one to two hours of physical activity per week. The participants diagnosed with acute or chronic injuries of the Achilles tendon, uncontrolled hypertension, or any other chronic disease were excluded from the trial. The subjects were then randomly allocated to one of three training interventions. The first one was a high load resistance training group, and that was using loads of 70 to 85% 1RM. The second one was low load BFR using loads between 20 to 35% and there's also a control group. With respect to the subject numbers, although they recruited 55, a total of 38 completed the study. So in the high load, they had of N of 14, low load BFR, N of 11, and the control group N of 13. The total length of the study intervention was 14 weeks. And the reason why this was chosen was in a previous study, a total training duration of greater than 12 weeks has previously been suggested to efficiently induce tendon adaptative responses. This is actually really great because a lot of the studies that I've been reading have really focused on three, four, up to a maximum of six weeks. And typically they don't show a lot of massive changes in those six weeks in respect to tendons. And this is perhaps why. So this is really great to see this study's been spread out a lot further and another little note here also is with some of these studies that you read is especially when you're doing like a high intensive training block where you might be doing uh, double sessions with BFR they sometimes if they don't show huge responses remember doing that every period of two to four weeks the subjects are actually fatigued so they might be in this fatigue state and if you look at the super compensation model if you give them a period of time and test them say 
half a week to a week later. And in some BFR studies, they've actually shown to have better responses that six to 10 days later. And there's actually some stuff around satellite cells, which is probably a good paper for me to review in uh, another upcoming podcast, perhaps. Onto the training procedure, as I said here, it was 14 weeks long and they did three weekly sessions. And this is the one great thing I like about a lot of these BFR papers. It's realistic. Two to three sessions a week have shown to elicit great responses in muscle strength and hypertrophy. And this one here, three weekly sessions with at least one day rest between two consecutive sessions. With all great sessions, they did a standardized warm-up on a bike. And when we look at the different training protocols, the first one, the high load training protocol, it consisted of three sets of six to 12 repetitions of dynamic standing and sitting calf raises with the load being progressively increased every four weeks from 70 to 85% of one RM. Here, a calf raise, standing and sitting, very simple exercise where they're trying to achieve full range of movement. That's full plantar flexion to full dorsiflexion extension. And here in this high load protocol, they had a rest period of one minute. Three minutes of rest was provided between the standing and the sitting exercises. With respect to the low load blood flow restriction training group, they performed the same exercises. So that's calf raises and standing and sitting, except they had a training load starting at 20% of 1RM and it progressively got increased by 5% every four weeks until 35% of 1RM in the last two weeks was reached. In both groups, dynamic strength tests were implemented to reevaluate the current strength levels, and this was adjusted every four weeks. With respect to the repetition and the set protocol in the BFR group, they did the typical 75 rep protocol. That's the first set, 30 repetitions, and then three sets of 15 thereafter. With this here, they used the tourniquet, which was a Zimmer system, and they calculated the pressure with a Doppler ultrasound. So they found what their total arterial occlusion was, and they trained at 50% of arterial occlusion. The cuff, 12 centimeters wide, was placed on the thigh, which is when we do our lower body work. We stick it on our thigh, even though we're doing calf raises. That's actually been shown that proximal and distal effects is around exercise selection. What they did is with the cuffs, they kept it inflated. So they had a continuous pressure for the first exercise. So they did their four sets in standing and then they had 60 seconds rest between sets. Now between the two exercises, the cuffs were deflated and they had three minutes off. Then they reinflated it for their last sitting calf raise exercise of four sets. With respect to the strength testing, the first one was a run repetition maximum assessment for a calf raise in sitting and standing. And this was done to not only understand the changes in strength from the start and the end of the actual training intervention, but also to readjust the training stimulus every four weeks. So every four weeks they would retest and then they would readjust their loads because obviously if they're untrained, they're going to be getting some good strength gains. I think this is another key part of this actual study design or this training intervention is, is that they're actually slowly increasing the training stress. And that's perhaps something I found with a lot of the athletes that I train is, is that staying at 20% of 1RM just isn't enough for trained athletes. And perhaps because you're training, your body's adapting and you just need to find ways of just slowly increasing a little bit more stress. So I think kudos to the study group. And I think when you find out with the results here that that was actually a key part of their design. Well, I feel it was. Another assessment they did was maximum voluntary torque. And this was a unilateral isometric maximum voluntary contraction or MVC. 
And this was done at 90 degrees of plane flexion and was measured with an isokinetic dynamometer. This is basically a machine you sit in, you get strapped in, and you set it at certain speeds, and it can actually, or isometrically, and it can measure how much force that you can actually produce in a certain movement. And then in this case here, the highest MVC or the maximum voluntary contraction was used for data analysis. When we look at some more physiological changes, the muscle cross-sectional area, they use an ultrasound to assess the right gastroc medialis muscle. Then onto the Achilles tendon properties, because that's perhaps something that we really want to try and find out, does it actually make changes to the tendon properties? The first one was looking at tendon cross-sectional area. And this was determined by acquiring time series of several transverse ultrasound images at 25% of the Achilles tendon length. And this was measured from the tuberositis calcani to the most distal aspect of the gastroc muscle. The other Achilles tendon property they looked at was the mechanical and the material properties. And to assess the tendon stiffness, elongation of the Achilles tendon was determined during ramped isometric contractions by B-mode ultrasound scans at 100 hertz at the gastroc medialis myotendinous junction. How they actually calculated the tendon mechanical and material properties, it goes into quite a bit of detail in the paper. So rather than going into it and potentially just losing some listeners here, uh, I urge you to get the paper out and actually read it. And what I might actually do is I'll put this into the, the notes onto my website, but also on Podbean. And then you can actually have a look at it so you can understand it. So I can just get back into the paper. With respect to the tendon stiffness, this was calculated as a slope of the force elongation curve between 50 and 80% of MVC. This procedure has previously been used in scientific literature and Young's modulus was calculated as the slope of the stress-strain curve between 50 to 80% of MVC. That's perhaps another note too. If you want to know what Young's modulus is, I'm just going to stick that into the show notes so that you can have a look at that and spend some time to actually read and understand it in greater detail. So here we've got a really simple study. We've got three groups, one a controlled doing nothing, high load, low load BFR using 50% of arterial occlusion on the thighs. And then we're going to do two exercises, a standing calf raise and a seated calf raise using the appropriate sets and reps and loadings and an increment in the loadings over the 14 week period. At the end of the day, this is a really simple study. And I think that's one thing I really like about this type of work with BFR or any type of training study in this space. It's simple. And so therefore, we're just going to go straight onto results. And I'm just going to pick out the key pieces before we go into the discussion. The first one was around Achilles tendon cross-sectional area. And the results showed a significant time and interaction effect with greater changes in the cross-sectional area in the high load and the low load BFR groups compared with control. Achilles tendon cross-sectional area at 25% of tendon length increased from 70 to 73.5 millimeters in the high load group and from 68.2 to 73.5, that's plus 7.8% in the low load BFR group. And both of these were significant. The tendon cross-sectional area of the control group did not change. So although in the high load training group, the Achilles tendon cross-sectional area was slightly thicker, it only increased 4.6% compared to the 7.8% in the low load BFR group. With respect to the Achilles tendon properties, both high load and low load BFR groups increased Achilles tendon stiffness. In the high load group, it increased 40.7% and in the low load BFR group, it increased 36.1%, both being significant. 
no changes. Obviously, as we would probably start to guess here, we're observed at the control group. And possibly, I'm just going to give you a little bit of heads up, nothing changed in the control group. The muscle cross-sectional area of the gastroc medialis increased in both training groups. With respect to the high-load training group, it improved 7.7%, and in the low-load BFR group, slightly higher at 9.1%. The maximal voluntary torque in the isokinetic dynamometer increased in both the training groups. And with respect to relative changes, there was an improvement in 13.5% in the high load training group and a 9.8% in the low load BFR group. And obviously, as I keep saying, there's no changes in the control group and they actually had a decrement in performance and that minus 1.4% across the 14 weeks. One result that I couldn't find was the changes in 1RM strength for the standing and seated calf raise. And just as a side point, that would have been really interesting to see that if they had that same kind of increase in strength, which you assume you would have, and to see what kind of relative changes would have been observed from high load versus low load BFR. Here we see that it's a fantastic result for low load BFR training. We would expect to see these positive changes with high load strength training. And this has obviously got to do with the high loads of mechanical stress there. But perhaps here, as the authors head into their discussion, from their end, they think this is their first study to evaluate the positive effects of low load BFR training on the functional and structural Achilles tendon properties. And as we see here, their overall findings reveal that despite uh, such a smaller training load, low load BFR caused adaptations in the Achilles tendon cross-sectional area and mechanical properties, as well as in the muscle mass and strength compared to high load training. And when we think about just compliance with some populations, high load training may be difficult, problematic, and also just quite difficult to do. And therefore the adherence to using a much lower load could perhaps be higher in across all groups, but across certain small subgroups that may not just enjoy using high loads. I'm now just gonna just pick out a few little points in respect to the author's discussion here. And when we think about tendon properties, the results of the study showed the 14 weeks of using low load BFR or high load training is that potent stimulus for causing tendon hypertrophy compared with obviously a non-exercise and control group. This really establishes first and foremost that doing something is more important than doing nothing. The observed increases in the Achilles tendon cross-sectional area in this study, in the high load group, that was an improvement of 4.6%, greatly mirrored results from earlier investigations reporting changes in tendon cross-sectional area between 4 and 7% following several weeks of exercise training. Interestingly, not only the high load, but also the low load BFR group displayed a significant increase in the Achilles tendon cross-sectional area. That was an improvement of 7.8%. However, with the caveat that the training loads used in this low-load BFR was well below those that have been used previously. What this is really saying is, is that the results they saw in the improvements in the tendon cross-sectional area with high loads is what they expected to see when you look at other studies there. But the surprising thing here, which surprised me, but it probably surprises you, is, is that using really low loads with the addition of BFR can also induce these positive responses. And that's perhaps a really great take-home message here. With respect to the Achilles tendon stiffness, the changes that they saw in the high load was 40.7 and the low load was improvement of 36.1%. And this magnitude of increase is comparable to other studies as well. So that sits quite nicely with literature. Although previous research groups suggest that strain, which is around 4%, is essential for adequate adaptations, 
These authors suggest that the strain and stress are not the only factors influencing mechanical tendon adaptations and that the number of loading cycles and or the concurrent tissue hypoxia might mediate this response. Also going further from here, this tissue hypoxia also then helps to trigger a whole heap of cascading signaling responses that perhaps could be responsible for this tissue adaptation as well. However, that's just extrapolating from other studies that I've read. The improvement in the muscle properties or in respect to the muscle cross-sectional area sits a little bit higher than some other studies that are out there. And in this here, once again, just confirming that the high load improved 8% of muscle cross-sectional area of the gastroc versus the BFR, which had a slightly greater improvement of 9%. And the authors potentially think it's just the length of the intervention study, which was longer than other studies that have been brought up here in the discussion point. And as I referred to earlier in the introduction is, is that this was a 14-week study. And most studies that I actually read is kind of around that four to six weeks. And that's perhaps the advantage here is they've taken the whole study out a little bit further. Then the final point here was just around the strength increases. And they saw a slightly greater improvement of 14% in the high load versus the low load BFR group, which was only around 10%. And when they examined potential reasons for slightly inferior muscle strength adaptations following BFR, they perhaps thought that the neural drive seems to differ between the two training regimes. And I really think that's on point here. When I talk to athletes in particular, when they're using BFR, I still tell them that there is no substitute for high load. High load training, especially in athletes or when you want to get true strength adaptations is key. And this pretty much brings this point home here that whether they thought that the greater degree of motor unit recruitment or firing rates was actually observed with the high load training. So if you're using BFR and you're training athletes, use the BFR wisely for your muscle activation, your hormonal priming, or in this case here, you could use it at the end of your sessions for your tendinopathies, but still find ways of getting your performance lifting using high load loading. And probably a side point, if you're actually having issues with your Achilles or any tendon, aside from doing this three times a week, is that when you're experiencing pain, actually do a couple of sets of it. Put the cuffs on, do those exercises because as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of evidence around using BFR to decrease joint and tendon pain. If the tendon is sore, put it on, do a couple of sets, decrease the pain and just get on with your day. So you probably end up giving it more hits than three times a week if you've got quite a lot of pain or before you actually go and do your sport or any other activity. Let's just say, for example, you're just doing some social sport, put it on, do a couple of sets and actually get rid of the pain and look the other thing is is that you're going to have a better quality warm-up and you're probably going to have a better session so all in all you're winning and I think that's a really good outcome there for you so you might end up having to take your cuffs with you to whatever you do and just treat that as a way of improving your warm-up and what you do and then hopefully you'll be able to experience a better outcome at the end of the day there you go a really good study I think here that this shows great promise for anyone having tendinopathies. As I've said it before, and as I've seen it a lot of times with the athletes and the clients that I have using BFR, that they've had great changes with issues with tendons, whether it's been shoulders, knees, or Achilles. They've just selected the exercises wisely. So if you're having patellar tendon issues, using exercises such as leg extension and also Spanish squats are really effective. When you've got shoulder tendinopathies, doing all your rotator cuff exercises. And then obviously, if you're having Achilles issues, you can just do good old-fashioned calf raises, but adding in the standing and the sitting. You can add adjuncts to that, 
trying to use isometric and also some eccentric type work to try and give variety, but perhaps trying to accelerate the responses. Or if you're having with athletes, you perhaps need those type of extra exercises add into it. But really at the end of the day, if you're having issues with your tendons, get some BFR cuffs. You can therefore then transfer this type of training to at home. So if you don't access a gym and you've only got your home to do it or your time poor, you know that three times a week, you can add them on and do something simple in the comfort of your own home. You might need to find a way of loading something. So, you know, eventually you're going to have to find something to weight. So whether you're using something you're holding on to, you can use bands to great effect. So you can actually buy them from your local sports store now. Or even if you think, well, I'm going to have to be smart here and load, you can buy some secondhand weights pretty cheap. Hope you enjoyed that paper. I loved it because it was simple two exercises three times a week but I think the other take home here is be patient it's 14 weeks it takes time for tissue to make those type of positive adaptations and if you know someone who's going through a similar type of injury at the moment if you're a trainer or a practitioner get them to listen to this podcast and help them out there with a set of cuffs and also the correct type of training or alternatively if you just know someone and you're not in this training space just go to hold of me through my website we'll get you a set of cuffs and we'll get you started and we'll get you back on track. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. And that's all today for this episode of BFR Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to take part in the podcast, please contact me through my website or on social media channels at Chris Cavillio. For more information and to order a set of your own BFR cuffs, please visit my website at sportsrehab.com.au. Thanks for listening, and keep the pump. (laughs) 